2: This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers.
3: Hello, hello, everybody. How's it going? Welcome back to another episode of the Knife Talk Podcast where we talk knives pretty straightforward it's in the title there we answer questions we give each other a hard time we we work on work through tough dilemmas and uh, sometimes we do an occasional pop quiz Uh, but we are here I am Marco Malmasi of Malmasi Fire Arts I'm here with Jeff Fader of Fader Knives and the captain of the ship Mr. Craig Lockwood and Mr. Craig Lockwood would you like to kick it off this week how has the last week been
4: Um, (laughs) It feels as if I'm in this perpetual cycle of trying to get this house finished before the baby comes out. Um, And we just... Nobody needs to know my bad news. We just had setback after setback. And on top of that, the kids have been off school with uh, another COVID um, incident in school, so they just have to close. And um, they decided to come home on their last day bringing fucking head lice with them. So we'll be dealing with that as well. It's like, ah. So, yeah, it's (laughs) fine. It's fine. You got all the creepy crawlies.
2: (laughs) Look at you. The panties working out out for you then.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, it's it's just this mad rush against time. And my wife is so big. She's the same. um, Basically, when they do a scan, they can sort of measure how big they think the baby's going to be. So the baby at the moment is just under six pounds, which is heavier than... The twins, when they were born, you know, at birth date. And we've still got, what, six weeks to go. So it's going to be a whopper. It's going to be a whopper. And, you know, it basically could come at any time now. So it's just a race against time in this house to get everything ready. And we're having people not turning up and, you know, tradesmen not turning up or, you know, doing the wrong stuff. And it's just frustrating to be honest with you but it's fine well even if we had to you know move in tomorrow we'd be okay but it's just not as we want it to be that's all so
2: So the baby's due any day now the baby is due um
4: i think 10th of march around then um but she's the fact that she's so big saying it could it could come any time now really you know so so yeah it's all good it's all good stress stress Head to say the least. Honestly, it's just crazy. But uh, you know, nothing's nothing's bad. I
2: can't complain. Sure. It's just a, a lot happening. And that's all. So the have- head lice. Oh, sorry. Have you? How are you handling the head lice? The head lice was a problem when my kid was very young, and I threatened to shave my head. And the whole and my and my daughter was very upset when I even suggested it. Are you it's- having?
4: I'm I'm one of those people, even the thought of like people mentioning spiders or lice or anything, I I just get itchy immediately, you know. Even now I'm just like, Oh shit. Um where handle it, we're on day we're on the third application of the all the shit they need to, you know, put in their hair and all the rest of it. And because they're so young they can't have, you know, you know, the normal stuff, so it's all ugh. It's 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 just a fuss. You know, a big fuss. And, you know, bedding having to be washed every day and all that kind of stuff and you know, we're in a rental house at the moment still. Until we, you know, until we get into this this house that I'm currently recording in. Um, so it's just one of those things. It's fine. It's, it's 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 all first world problems. You know, there's people in far worse states than me. Well, so I'm, they have I'm lice good. They've yeah. lice. Third world
2: too. You know, developing they countries. Did, well, C- yes, countries I'm sure they 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 do. Sure, they do. Oh, oh, I hated lice. Hated it.
3: Uh, Craig, do you so have? What's been a, going on in the world? Do you have any? Do Sorry. you guys have names lined up for your, the new baby?
4: We do, we you do. Need a secret? Um, yeah. Well, I mean, the twins know. Um, so whenever you. we're on the phone to a member of our family, they're tra- they're saying to the girls, "So what's what's the new baby's name?" And <laughs> Amy's quite adamant. She you know she she wants to be some sort of surprise for the sure. family. You know, so Big announcement. so if we they already it. know it's going to be a boy. So, so, so if we now, guess
2: it right now, will you will you say yes or no? I will. I will. Oh, you so will. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure you wouldn't guess. Can it. you give us three guesses each?
4: This isn't fucking Wordle. <laughs> this is my. This is, this is my first boy. That's my right. Son and A. This is
2: Wordle. I'm going to give a. you a word, and then you're going to say the green a. The the good. The right letters are green. The wrong letters are are, are gray. <laughs> okay. Yellow letters are okay, the wrong spot. Okay. Let's do that. Let's do that. Come let's on, cr- on Reko. You you first. I don't know how Wordle shoot works. It. So I just just I'm shoot sure. out a name. What do you think the name is? Well, funnily
4: enough, it's a five-letter word as well,
2: Dante. so we could oh. actually wordle the shit out of his name, Dante. Dante Lockwood. I'm not mad about that. I'm not mad about Dante that's Lockwood. One. It's strong. That's a okay. Good
4: one. You have no letters, yellow or green. So, so, wow. miracle. Let me set the scene. Okay. Wordle is this. Um, it's this game that that's appeared online, where it's not an app. It's just done by the browser. Um and it's it's five letters. It's a five letter word and you have six guesses to guess this word. Okay. So you give you type five letters in. Um if you've got any of the letters right, um you get a yellow square. So you know no. you've got that letter
2: Yes. Oh it's a yes. 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 In so the right, word, but in the right logic, but not okay. in the right space.
4: Right. Exactly. So okay. you know you've got you, that letter's in the word if it's yellow. If it's green, okay. you know it's in the word and it's in the right place too. Okay. So, so Dante have...
2: has no. It's all gray. None it's of totally them are right. None of the right really? letters. D A N T E. Nothing. There's none. Okay. Wow. That that really. I already. I'm already stumped. I'm already stumped. <laughs> I, I can't. I, funny enough, uh, Marekka, when we were, my, my wife likes Wordle because, and she, and I said, I don't. Want, I said exactly what you said before the show started. I don't do games because I don't need any more apps. And I'm the same way. I don't put any goddamn games in my. Sh- and I said to hmm. her. I need to spend less time online. I don't need to spend more time online. (laughs) And then she said to me, it wards off dementia. And I was just like, what's the website? (laughs) So (laughs) give me the website. And the funniest part was, she had me do it. I got it. I think I got it in two or three. I decided, because I know Craig does Wordle, that you can share it and it shows a little box. I'm sure you've seen it. It's quite obnoxious. I sent it to Craig with, underneath it, eat my ass Oh, (laughs) under the thing. And I said to my wife, I said, I'm sending this to Craig, and I'm writing, eat my ass under it. And she's like, what's the matter with you? Why can't she just be normal? And I said, I obviously can't. Can't.
4: (laughs) So, Miracle, the magic of Wordle is um, it only updates every 24 hours. So you can only do one. There's oh. no time limit, but you can only do one. So you can even come back to it later in the day. I'm so you coming. give it lots and lots of thought. It's okay. not just a quick, you know, it's quick as you can type game. You can only do one. But the weird thing is that everybody else in the world has that same word. So you know that everybody else is trying to work it out. There's no competition. There's no time. There's no points. Um, but th- th- like, This is like etiquette that nobody, sh- when you get the word, you don't share the word. Yeah. You spoil it for everybody. Um, it's, it's like the complete opposite to the rest of the world where everything is as fast and get as much as you can. This is just, we're going to
2: give you one word a day. That's it. But it doesn't it, mean that you're smart or not smart if you don't get it. That's it, the, it does. No, it, it does, doesn't. Jeff. It does not. It does it doesn't not. It does not. <laughs> I've done it four days in a row, and I do actually like it. And for the rest of the show, we're going to stop talking about your, the name. You guys talk. I'm going to get a pen because at the end of the show, I'm going to figure out the name of the upcoming child of Craig Lockwood. Okay? <laughs> Let me go get a pen. Morocco, tell us about your week. Uh, my
3: week has been pretty straightforward. It's actually a lot like last week. Uh, this bit of forging. Uh, I'm working on a random Damascus blade. Uh, this week, um, and the order. But I I get kind of bored with random Damascus. Uh, and I don't know how familiar you are with it, Craig. But it's just it's literally just a random patterning patterning. So it's straight layers through the the cross section of the material, and then you disrupt it to kind of to uh, kind of mix it up and stir it up, and create some interesting yeah. patterning, um, and so, so there 's no symmetry or geometry involved it 's just completely round, yeah, I get it, yeah, 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 and so it, yeah, sometimes it has like a wood grain appearance or a watered kind of appearance, and so I, I I usually just start with straight layers, but I decided to do. Uh, a gradient billet. So I basically, it starts kind of darker, darker on one side and then it gets lighter to the other side. So it gradiates through the billet and then those layers stack up. And so what will happen as I forge through and create that disruption in the material, it'll have this uh, additional sense of kind of depth to it as well as having the random patterning. So I've been working on texturing that and beating that basic in the process. Sorry, let me step back Is at a certain point, like the, the layers are all straight and then you just kind of beat the shit out of it. Some people like cut away material by drilling holes or grinding in lines and stuff like that. And the, but the other way is to force like texture into the surface of the material. And so I was using like ball peens and cross peens and hammers and just beating the shit out of it. And then you grind it clean. And then what you get are partial cross sections uh, when you grind it all flat again of the various activity that you've created. Uh, so now the next steps is to get back in there and finish forging that blade out, uh, after it's all cleaned up and, and it should be pretty, and, and probably we'll still leave it somewhat textured and rough. I don't want it to be really clean because again, I want to, to kind of disrupt those layers as much as possible. Um, so that's going good. I'm getting ready for, uh, to be on the road for a bit. Uh, let's see, uh, on th- when thursday uh yeah wednesday evening uh this week i will be flying out to south carolina uh, and i'll be there for a few days through sunday and then i head down to atlanta for another what is it i think it's like six or seven days uh and then i'll be back in washington i'll get back just in time for valentine's day so what's happening in carolina to begin with then uh in South Carolina there is an event called Winter Strong um there's a company named Sornex um that creates or uh, they they build uh like heavy duty exercise workout uh equipment and like uh like weight uh, like like racks and stuff for for barbells and hmm. bench presses and yeah. squats and all that kind of stuff uh and so they do kind of a private event um every year and um jason knight was actually at last year's and he'll be at this event as well um and there will be a few other people there uh mr josh smith neil kamamura uh kyla cummings uh joe maynard just to name a few um but people basically go hang out do like outdoorsy bushcrafting hunting kind of stuff as well as um some like weight training and 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 there's um kind of people from the fitness industry they're helping to because basically it kind of started from all these people who want to who are athletic and want to learn how to hunt and all these hunters who are want to be more athletic so they can go on these deep hunts where they're hiking out into the woods and miles and miles and being able to haul back um you know the animals they they harvest and so
1: um
3: so that should be fun and then in atlanta i'm working with neil we're going to um uh, we're going to go to teach a friend some knife making stuff and
2: just kind of hang out a bit great that should be good yeah sounds fun sounds right. fun that sounds great yeah. I, I know that uh, Josh and I know, are you going to be demoing at the at the Winter Strong yeah. event or it's nothing too official but I will be
3: there doing a lot of forging basically like day in day out forging meeting and hanging out it'll be a kind of like a small version of a hammer in because there's only going to be like four or five Smiths there um, but it'll be good. It'll be fun.
2: A hammerette. A hammeret. Yeah. There, Come man, on. I like that. That's going to be great. That's going to be a lot of fun. Do you have to bring, you don't have to bring all your tools with you and stuff, do you? Well, because I'm going to be going straight down to
3: Georgia and doing some teaching down there, I am going to be actually bringing some tools. So I'll oh, have man. my, uh, my, my, uh, hilltop forge hammer and some tongs and, um, and, and some basic, <laughs> no I won't, I won't be I have some sanding like hand sanding equipment and stuff like some of the stuff because that's going to be some of the stuff I'm going to be teaching some Damascus finishing um, down in Atlanta and so yeah well, that'd nice. be great a little change of case. pace yeah, yeah. sorry cool. somebody asked a question
4: no no oh. sorry there's a bit of a delay sorry sorry oh. um, no I just said it sounds like a great trip it sounds like you can have fun yeah I think so Nice, Jeff. You're apart from watching your your friend Jacques Pepin on TV last night, and then I can imagine you thinking he's
2: going to use one of my knives. He's gonna use one. It's like,
4: "Fuck, he's only doing eggs." You get it. <laughs> I can imagine you. Well, were like, oh shit, it's just an egg.
2: <laughs> I got a nice message from his daughter saying that they they made a mistake. They wanted to. They wanted me to. It doesn't really matter. There was a lot of things that they wanted to do and and they didn't do mm. it, but it was great. I mean, look, you know, be honest with you. He, so so Jimmy Fallon is as a giant late night person in the United States, yeah. And having Jacques Pepin on, he's in his late eighties. He's like, them kind of like really respecting who he is and having him. And he had a good time and he was uh, making omelets, is really cool. So uh, yeah, that was really neat to see. Mm. And um, actually. My whole week was derailed by you, Craig. First thing Monday morning <laughs> it was really obnoxious, and and it all and it's knife making related, ladies and germs. So was don't be su- be surprised. Jeez. It was Monday or Tuesday. Wow. You sent me. The, I think you, I feel like it was Monday, but it might have been Tuesday. So you sent me this message, and you says, and "You said, how do you store your the arms for your grinders?" Hmm. And I looked over at my table as soon as I saw the message. They're like. They're like arms everywhere. I mean, like literally <laughs> their arms, their arms, any flat surface, there's an arm, there's a wheel here and then there's this, that, and it's all over the place. So all of a sudden you were trying to figure out how to do it. And I was thinking, well, if I were to fix something, make something, what would I do? And I was just like, well, I'm certainly going to try to do something quickly. So I went and got a couple two by threes and then I just made this rack that's a little bit, so two parallel uh, two by threes that are a little bit bigger than the outside. So if my arms are, you know, inch and a quarter, I made them like an inch and three-eighths, inch and a half, mm-hmm. and then I mounted them underneath in the middle of my on uh, my desk or my work table and it worked great and it was like i was glad i did it but this whole time i'm cursing you because all of a sudden something this i had to go back to the hardware store because i didn't have this screw and i I had to go back to the hardware store because my uh one of my plugs was broken and i had to change the plug out and i was just like god damn that craig lockwood has totally derailed my whole day because you know i prepare for the day like I I don't I don't like to off-road it at all and Mm. if I off-road it I always end up in some sort of weird I
4: asked you one simple question and that that derailed you You fucking
2: derailed me yeah you (laughs) certainly did but at the same time I was glad I did because now I have this very organized system for my 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 uh grinding arms and it's out of the way i'm not tripping over them and i have all this nice table space that i can destroy with something else Hmm. so it was a neat approach yeah it was good it was great because it was really like not crazy it wasn't like a ton of work and it was like three two by four threes and a couple pieces of scrap wood and some screws and it was like great so and then i posted about it and then a few people were just like how did you do that what did you do what did you do so i kind of did a little bit of a very quick video on, not a video, but like stories on how I did it. It wasn't a big deal, but it was, uh, but I cursed you the whole time, even though you made me do something that I should have done. Hmm. But that was that. And then I got some work done. I'm working on some, a new set for a, a high school friend who, uh, is got a big set coming up. So I'm working on that. And then, uh, sent something out to a good friend of ours and, uh, you know, haul an ass Do a lot of podcasting, a lot of interviews And stuff like that And um, what was interesting was Kind of off the topic Is I was on my way home one day And I got—I get Blade Magazine I don't know if you guys get Blade Magazine It's great, you know what, support them Usually you'll see some people we know You'll see friends or people we admire You'll see a lot of knife makers, which is great A lot more culinary people are in Blade Magazine more and more and more. Uh, and this week, actually, one of our listeners, Dennis Terrell, is in there, in the back. Dennis Terrell's, uh he did a Bowie Challenge on YouTube, and he won, and he's in the back page, a great picture of oh, nice. his work. Yeah. So I was looking at the cover, and <clears throat> there was a... in the, On the cover, it says, one of the articles is, Things Not to Ask Knife Makers. So I thought... Ooh, Blade Magazine's getting spicy. Maybe we're going to have some spice <laughs> because in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, good. Be a little bit, you know, be a little bit spicy. Mm. So they had a had an article all about the things if you're not a knife maker to ask knife makers. And I thought, all right, let's hear it. So one of the things that you're not supposed to ask him. So what I'm going to do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what they wrote. The th- okay. The, the yeah. things that they wrote. And then... We're going to do a list of more things that you should not ask a knife maker because you'd be surprised at how tame this is. And obviously we'll see. So the first one was apparently you're not supposed to ask a knife maker. And I'm assuming that this is asking a knife maker. You're at an event and you see knife makers go up to a guy's table. And these are the things. This is the non good etiquette things to say to a knife maker. Number one is how long did it take? So asking a maker how long it takes is, that's no go to see Maru. That's a very uh, gauche thing to say. And then another one is apparently, as far as these guys go, it's how did you make it? Apparently is something you're not supposed to ask a knife maker.
4: Mm.
2: Oh, can you show me how to make that? Yeah. No, how did you make it? That's the question. Apparently that's... Um, what you're not okay. supposed to say, and then another one is, "What knife do you carry?" Seems like a pretty benign question, if you ask me. Hmm. Apparently, that's a, that's av- It's how, not nice. How can
3: I trust you if, as a knife maker if you carry a piece of shit knife? I, I mean, that's what they're. If you, that's what they're really asking.
2: It says one of the mo- <laughs> uh, the most interesting questions from a custom knife maker might revolve around the knife the carrier carries. Um, you may be going out at a limb, putting the maker on the spot, or even offending him if you uh, if you want to know what's in his pocket. Ask at your own risk. So that's Ooh. that. And then I guess being asking if you're, the price is negotiable is big time bad. <laughs> so don't yeah. ask if the price is negotiable; they lose their minds. And honestly, that's really it. I mean, that was that's the pretty question. Tame, yeah, I figured. Yeah, but... I, so then I I, re- I was reading it and I was like. When's the spicy shit coming up? Like when's the spi- so? I was thinking maybe we could kind of go up and have a real. I mean, if Blade Magazine doesn't listen to this, Blade Magazine should do a piece on this podcast. By the way, because we are the number one knife-laid podcast on this German-fested planet. Period. End of sentence. But if they wanted to ask a question about what you shouldn't ask a knife maker, what are some of the things that you wouldn't want to be asked if you buy a customer? Buy a customer or a potential customer, or a tire kicker, or a window shopper. What would it annoy you? I'll what, tell you. Did ma- <laughs> oh, right. what did those materials cost? What do the materials cost? Sure. Oh that's bad. Yeah, don't ask um. about the cost of the materials. That's bad. What do you think, Braco?
3: One of my favorites or least favorites I would get asked at a show is why is it why is that chef's knife so expensive?
2: That's a bad. That's that should have been in
3: the The stupidest fucking question ever.
2: That might be. That should have been one of the questions that they put in the article. See, Hmm. that's better than all three of those questions. Why does this cost so much? Is a great thing that you should definitely not ask. Ask.
3: Yeah. Terrible. You you, you either like it and you buy it, or you don't like it and you don't buy it, or
2: you like it and you can't afford it and you move on. (laughs) <laughs> well, you, it makes me think that when because people do say that and it's almost as if you're putting someone on trial and sure. <laughs> in in your mind, you think that this person is strong mentally and emotionally enough to be able to answer a an logical question and ruling out any kind of emotional damage that it might cost, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a fucking good one craig spout some more questions what should you not ask a a knife maker oh
4: um i'm thinking (laughs) i
3: jeez is it sharp
4: i know i know that's a mighty fine finish what abrasives do you use on that
0: combat abrasives
4: makes the world's best abrasive belts for knife makers available in any size at unbelievable prices Go take a look at CombatAbrasives.com and get 15% off with promo code KNIFETALK15. Do it now. There we go. Uh, Canucks, Canucks, I haven't forgotten about you. Canucks, Canucks, whatever you call yourselves, I don't know. Um, Canadians from Canada, if you are looking for Combat Abrasives, um, we have a reseller in Canada now who's doing a deal. If you buy 10 belts, you get 10% off too. Um, so yeah, if you're in Canada and you're looking for belts, uh, maritimeknifesupply.com is the place to go. They also sell rhino wet, which, as we all know, is the best stuff for hand sanding, and it's like the one-stop shop for knife makers. If you're in Canada, that's the place to go. maritimeknifesupply.com. Get your combat abrasives from them too.
2: Did I answer that question? You did, <laughs> but Jeff. I think there's a few more we can do. Morako, do you have any other question? Any? It's it's more along the lines of what should you not say to a to a knife maker. And let me just say a couple, just to yeah, you know, get them out of yeah, the way. On. One would be, have you been on Forge and Fire? That would be something <laughs> that you should not say to a knife maker. Not that there's <laughs> anything wrong with it, but these guys have heard it enough. Even people yeah. who've been on it, you know, who've okay. been on it. And the other thing is, you should not say to someone, you hold someone's knife or you look in someone's knife, I love that, but can you do it in a different handle? Hmm. That would be something I wouldn't say to a knife maker at a. I love this exactly, but can you change the handle? That would be something I wouldn't say to a custom knife maker to blade at a blade event. Yeah. Or
4: oh, I get
2: I get quite a bit when people you know people who are not sort of in the industry
4: see my knives. They say, "Did you forge that yourself?" And like for me, who don't do forging, it's all stock removal. There's no sort of good answer to that, really. I just got to say, no,
2: I don't. And you know, it's like ah, how about? can you make a knife like this and show someone a picture of somebody else's knife? <laughs> I got that. I got that recently. I got that recently. I get that all the time. And it's like they'll a custom, a guy wants a custom knife. He knows what he's getting and he knows what I do. And then he shows me somebody, not even somebody we know's knife, somebody like something that he uses. Can you make a knife like this? Mm. You shouldn't say that to a knife maker. Or
4: oh. um, my son would love to get into knife making. Could he come and work with you? I've had that a few times. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh. But you know what? If you are looking for work
2: as a knife maker, we know somebody who needs help, actually, don't we, Jeff? Oh, yes. Tomer Botner is putting out the bat signal. So if Mm. you're in the EU and you want to join one of the best joints around, he's taking people on. And here's the best part. He's going to, you know, and I, I know what you're saying. You're saying, well, I'm going to send a message to Knife Talk. Don't send a message to Knife Talk. Let me send a message to Florentine Kitchen Knives. Don't send that, too. He has a, he has in his bio you have to do a LinkedIn so he's going to be sifting through some of you rabble by using a LinkedIn uh, uh, method to, to apply for the job but if you wanted to be no listening going what the hell is LinkedIn there you go well that's that's how he does it that's how he I was talking to him earlier this week and we were talking about it I was like listen we'll, we'll get you somebody but he's like we put it in the LinkedIn I'm like alright that's how you sift out some of the rabble so if you want to I mean this is a great opportunity to grow with a great company like he wants someone who's not a nut just a knife maker but someone who wants to be involved and you know it's a great opportunity especially if you're a young guy um i don't think you need a ton of experience but experience definitely helps but if you go to uh florentine kitchen knives go to their bio and find out yeah you know fuck it send them a dm but serious serious uh uh, people only I would for sure say but yeah. definitely and they're moving to a new, a new spot too big they? spot yeah they got a big spot going on and uh, he's talking we were talking he wants to get an even heat because we're going to be when I get back there we're going to do some classes again and he's uh, you know he's, they're, good, they're bigger and better things with Florentine but uh, I think that if you're a young knife maker in the EU and you want to like really kind of get a leg up this is the place to go Oh yeah, for sure. And remember to put Knife Talk
4: 10 in your application so we get 10% of your wages.
2: Yeah, no. Thank you very much. Do you have any more more things that you would not say to a knife maker at an event that you can think of? Or you know, what we could do is we can put this out to the audience. If you're listening in this podcast and you want to reach out, we can do it in the listener feedback. What are some questions or what are some things that you shouldn't say to a knife maker at a knife event? How's that sound, guys? Go. Good? Yeah. Cool. All good.
4: Shall we do some questions then?
2: We got lots we've had, of stuff today.
4: We've had a bunch in, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll start the first one. Um, I think it's Elian Durant. Elian Durant, I think. Um, my brother's considering going into the mid- military. Well, first of all. Thank him for his service.
2: Well, potential, service. possibly special forces. Potential service. Don't thank him. You cannot <laughs> listen. I'm totally for the military. I'm saluting the military If you serve in the military, I appreciate and thank you for your service. But if you haven't and you're thinking about it, I can't thank you yet. Got to get in there. Okay,
4: <laughs> that is such an American thing. You know, thank you for your service. Well, so, you, yeah.
2: you thanked him for service. He hasn't even done anything. He's thinking about it. I was. I wouldn't say
4: I was mocking him. Because I, I think that'd be quite rude. But I was just making the point that that's what you Americans say.
2: I know, but like you thanked him for his his brothers considering to serve. That's not yes. can you do that? I, I'm confused. Exa- by I don't that, get Craig.
4: exactly exactly I don't get it.
3: I don't g I just hear you Americans say I don't know But <laughs> do you, do you thanked him for nothing. Not su- Craig, do you guys do you not not him for serve nothing or uh thank your service members?
4: Um not, it's Craig, not really a it. thing. It's not really a thing that, that no. no. Yeah. Interesting. No. That's why you're. I'm, I wouldn't say I'm, you know, I'm. not that I'm not grateful, but it's not something that we say in, in you know, when we greet people and that kind of thing. It's it's. Well, you. Th- uh, but
2: you thank this dude who hasn't even done anything yet.
4: Oh, I'm trying to fit in with you guys. I'm the odd one out here. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! I love something it. nice. I
2: love. F- the fact fuck him. <laughs> fuck the army. Fuck
4: the military. Fuck you all. Okay. I'm trying to do a nice thing here. <laughs> anyway, back to. <laughs> I uh, was an Elian Duranti's uh, and his beautiful brother who's joining the military and possibly the special forces. If I had to make him a knife to go to war with, what steel should it be? Stainless, of course, would be a bigger blade, six to eight inches cut in length and something that can kill a tank. A shorter version of the question could be, what steel do I send my brother to war with? Fuck, that's deep.
2: Well, thank well, alien. Thank you for your brother's potential service. I certainly appreciate. I, I'm I'm saluting you and his and his thoughts of service. I'm standing erect here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you I know know what is it? I mean, mean. That, that's the real tank killer. Yeah, that's the real tank killer. Three inch, the three inch Daisy cutter. <laughs>
4: Oh jeez, <sighs> this 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 poor guy! He <laughs> nice for his country.
2: He's thinking so about think? he's what, thinking about his country. <laughs>
4: <laughs> what seal do I send my brother to war with? Is what you to out.
2: Well, here's what I would say. I made a knife for a Black Hawk helicopter pilot, and there were certain things that you could and couldn't do. And I would definitely. Oh, he's I think he's back in there. I have no idea. There's certain things you can, th- certain things you can't do. So just whatever you do, you should probably figure out the figure out the uh, the requirements that they allow. You can't just go bring like your great grandfather's like sword to, to to war. You should probably, and I would think that if you were to make a knife or to, for someone about who's who thinking about serving, you probably don't want to give him something crazy so people make fun of him. Uh, yeah, I'm amazed that
4: people can like join the military and take their
2: own weapons. Well, in. I don't think you can. I mean, I think that ah, I think okay. that when you get when you get into it, I think that there are certain things, rules and regulations. that I don't mm. know, except for when I made this knife for this Black Hawk helicopter pilot that turned into our bull elk knife. He said it's got to be a certain length and size, and he's like, I, don't, I really don't want to deal with carbon steel because of you know the use and everything like that. So there were some rules and regulations that obviously. Wherever you're going, you should probably want to find out. But I would think you probably, if you would probably want to like not be, I don't think you want to show your individuality (laughs) like too much Mm. when you, when you go and do it, because you might want to just do what they tell you to do. That's what I would suggest. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Strange on that. Um, Do you want to take the next one, Jeff? Sure. This one comes from Tradition Company. For someone making kitchen knives, there is a lot of terminology for the exact style of knife. Most of us just make something that we think looks cool and not a saying Tuco inspired design, for example. How do you know how to accurately accurately identify yours when selling it? So how so maybe you don't know the correct terminology, maybe the different shape and stuff like that. How do you how do you identify and describe the knife that you're making? Yeah. Um
4: I mean, I know very little about, you know, traditional patterns of knives, that kind of thing. Um, but there is a great book, Knife. It's called Knife. Oh, yeah. And it's by Tim... Oh, Hayward. Google it quickly. That's it, Tim Hayward. I mean. um, it's, it's a really good book, and it gives lots of examples of different styles and patterns of knife. But it's just semantics, really, to me, isn't it? You know, um, I, I could I'd probably say that what I do is like a traditional sort of Western style um you know the subtle differences between a German and a French pattern, for example, all these kinds of things. But yeah, that's a really good book. Um Knife by Tim Haywood. It's got lots of images as well of, of great knives, um reasonings for certain shapes. Um yeah, that would answer the question far more that better than I ever could. He literally wrote the book on the subject. Yeah, so, yeah. it's a great
2: book. Hmm.
4: Jeff, I mean, how would you consider yours? I mean, if, if somebody say, you know, what style of knife do you make? What, what's your, what's your?
2: I tell you what's interesting is I've really gone out of my way to be very sensitive to uh, and not flippant about what I make. So I hmm. tend to stay away from I tend to stay away from a lot of like names that I don't really connect with culturally or understand. So like I'm far more interested in trying to figure out a way to describe them. Um, and use the vernacular that I'm familiar with. So, like, a lot of these Japanese names, I really can't, like, I can't pronounce. I don't really know what they are. I can't identify with them. So, it's very hard for me to just make the decision to use them. So, I understand that a Santoku is, it's a little bit more um, broken but rounded at the tip and maybe there's a little bit more rock and I understand about Gyotos and all that stuff. But I tend to not use them just because... I would rather just keep everything simple um, so what I do is I do use k-tip and I think it's been a great uh, method of kind of uh, mm. describing the knife and having that subtle break I mean, that's quite descriptive as well isn't it kinda, yeah, so, yeah I mean yeah. it's it's a I think it's it's kind of slang for that Japanese version and I've actually really kind of liked it um, I try to be descriptive I, Eastern style and Western style um, I try to, you know, I just try to be honest and is I try to break things down as simply as possible.
4: Mm. Yeah, makes sense. Makes se- Yeah, but yeah, re- get that book. Honestly, it's a good book anyway. Um, Knife by Tim Hayward. It's available on Amazon and other shitty bookstores. I'm sure.
2: <laughs> do you? Do you? While we're at it, do you want to? Uh, I have listener feedback from last week. If you want to hear it. Yeah, let's do one. It, only if it's good feedback. Yeah, no, no, it's great yeah. feedback because it's timely. This is about we're trying. I'm trying to be. I'm trying to okay. keep things as timely as possible. Including, I have blacksmithing, a timely blacksmithing thing, but we'll we'll hit that later. Oh, but okay. as far as uh, listener feedback, uh, Rodney Filman writes, "That was such a great episode with Doctor Laren. I listened to it two days in a row." Um, just like the book you can give it a casual listen and then his quote his favorite quote was when we were talking about our terrible language i think i was making some joke he says my parents taught me right and he likes that um yeah there's that uh, and then he wrote that's the best dry ass one-liner in the business <laughs> was it intentional um uh was it intentional for Laren or for for for, for you, your, your your dry line? No, it was his dry line. His says my oh. He said he said to us, My parents uh, my parents taught ah. me right. You know, he's like, I don't use that kind of language. My parents taught me right, and it was like, ooh, and he was this thick. Speaking of thick disses, uh, Dan Ackman says at in the last episode at one hour eleven minutes and seven seconds on the Doctor Thomas podcast, there was a pause and possibly a fart. (laughs) I can't be the only one to hear it. Can I am is that right? And then he says, "I just listened to it again. It's certainly a fart, and I'm hysterically laughing alone in my truck." So one hour, <laughs> eleven minutes, and seven seconds, I went back before this episode aired, and or we started recording. It's not a fart. It's like it's a noise. I think it's a noise coming out of Doctor Laird's mouth. I don't. Th- I, th- I think oh, it's okay. like a like a kind of like a gurgling groan, but it is not a fart, even though I wish it was. <laughs> I really wish it was oh I just got no more a- doctors on the show <laughs> yeah I would you know what it's funny I was listening to uh, the David Chang podcast and he has on um, dr. Henry Lewis Gates and then he says I don't like to be called doctor because I'm a PhD and they said why is that and he says well if I'm on an airplane and someone like needs some sort of medical <laughs> help on the plane yeah. I'd rather be professor I don't want to be like you're a doctor and do something he's like I don't want to be that position so maybe, you know that was that uh, I just got a message from record he's gonna have to sit the rest of this out his phone is Connections connections Wiped Wiped out Um, While you're talking about the David Chang
4: podcast um, You told me to listen to it Because he had this whole bit about um, Pizza I completely disagree you see Completely disagree So if you haven't heard it um, I'm just trying to bring it up now Um, What's it called
2: It's the David Chang show you like how Mareko leaves and now we've totally stopped talking about knives? <laughs> I mean, it's like talking about farts and <laughs> yeah. now we're going into pizza? No, pizza, pizza. <laughs> yeah. We can't – Blade Magazine um, is never going to have us on if, if, we, if we don't get back into knife making.
4: We'll get back to okay, knife making okay. in a second. Okay. This episode is called The Pizza Oven Paradox. Right. And the whole basis of this is, is – what he's saying is that people who own a, like a, uh, you know, a stone pizza oven, an outdoor oh. oven, um, they regret it. They never ever use them. Um, And you sent that to me saying, I completely agree with him and all that kind of
2: thing. I disagree. Um, And I think I gave you my reason. Let's just set set it up. So they were talking about making pizza at home. And they were talking about these little pizza ovens, not these big pizza ovens. It was almost like they were pointing it out as it was as like a gadget. And he made the point that it's too much work to actually use it often. And that they're just kind of, you know, it's almost like having a juicer. If you're not, you use the juicer for five minutes and then you think I'm going to be making fresh juice all the time. And the next thing you know, he's yeah. like, people don't want to do it. And the, and he was just making the point that he doesn't, you know, it's just, the it's not for home use unless you're like making pizzas every goddamn day. That was hmm. really the point. But yeah. I agree with him. I,
4: I agree with the fact that everybody's got too many of these gadgets in their kitchen that they've bought thinking I'm going to use right. these, you know, sausage makers. Air and all fryers. kinds of yeah, and you chuck them in the cupboard. They dust, and they, they just give you anxiety because they're taking up space. Yeah. But the whole point is, for me, with the um, the, like the brick oven pizza, is that it, it's it's outside, it's it's not taking up any space. It's there where you want it. But what I love is 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 that ritual. So yeah, I'm not I'm not going to use it every day. Nobody has the time to use it every day. Um, but when I do, it's a whole sort of, it's the same as a barbecue. You know, it's 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 far yeah. easier to cook in on a on a hot plate. But you know, people go outside.
2: On I liked his. It's point. the same
4: thing. It's that it's that. Whole, you know, getting everything ready and the whole the smell of it and you know it's you're so sentimental. (laughs) That's really it's true. There's nothing better than going out there, lighting it, and got you got a beer in your hand. It's nice and quiet. You hear the birds singing, and it's.
2: I had the chance to use my 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 in laws have a real pizza oven, like a a one that was built, a brick pizza oven. And I yeah. tell you what, it was so much fun. We made you know those ne- ne- Neapolitan style pizzas, mm. and it was fun. And it, I'd never done it before. It took him two hours to get the oven yeah. to thousand degrees, and I didn't oh, yeah. know. I was yeah. like, "Oh, what the fuck! I'm going <sighs> to take you two hours to get the pizza, and then and then you're going to you're going to use it for what? You how many? How much wood do you have to use?" To like for like fifteen minutes of cooking, it's just like oh a, sh-
4: a shitter. But the thing is, you can use it to cook overnight. Then, so what we tend to do is we we stick some sort of dough in there and just put you know put the steel door on it and leave it overnight. And you know that slow cooking, you, you throw tomatoes in, in some oil, and it'll sort of comfy them overnight because because it's so insulated that it'll keep that heat in like a low steady heat. I hours and hours. I.
2: You 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 still haven't made me want to buy one. And the other thing is, is like it's just I, if I had one, it wouldn't be one of those like put on the top of your like picnic table ones. I'd want like the real ones. that are like oh yeah, you got to get a brick yeah, one. but then, these like unis and stuff. They just got a little it? stone. That that yeah, we put a tarp over it. I mean, it's just like I mean you don't have to look at it all the time. I Look, I got you. Let's get back in the knife talk. What is this pizza okay. talk? Okay. Okay. One yeah. of the last feedback. One of the last questions. For, uh, the last uh, feedback was from Legacy Blades NC, and his list of feedback is there was an awesome tip on mold polishing stones. I picked up a few after hearing you talk about them on the show. They do a fantastic job at cleaning the scale off flats in particular post heat treatment. McMaster Car also sells handles that holds the stones for nine bucks. If you're tired of using a tennis ball. Highly recommend. Yeah. Mold polishing stones are pretty sweet. I, I really, really, really mm. like them. Yeah. Um, our friend Aaron uses them. I think he sort of turned you on. Oh, he well. browbeat me into getting them. He didn't. Yeah. I mean, there was no like <laughs> suggesting it. He just called me up and he's just like, I just don't know what your problem is. And he just kind of lived <laughs> into me. It's like, hey, hey, take it easy, take it easy. I mean, geez Louise. It's like, oh, you, I don't know what you're doing over there. All right, more polishing stones.
4: Uh, but you know, if you're not using more polishing stones, you should be using the best sandpaper. We all know that. That's Rhinoette by Indasa. Um, Best stuff in the world. They sell it at Texas Supply, uh, com too. Where you can get 10% off if you put Knife Talk uh, 10 into the your little box when you check out. But, you know, Texas Fire Supply sell more than just Rhino Wet. They sell lots of stuff. So take a look. TexasFireSupply.com. Fill up your basket with Rhino Wet, um, And maybe you don't need more polishing stones. Who knows?
2: That's it. That's definitely it. And you, obviously you can get Indus USA over at our friends Maritime. Yeah, if you're if in, you're a Canuck, you got to stop making fun of these Canadians. They're getting more hostile and hostile over time. They're not the friendly Canadians. Don't get hostile. Come on, dude. I think I think it's heating up over there a little bit. I think heating up. I think people. I think the, the, the attitudes are changing a little bit. So let's be a little bit more gentle. I think. <laughs> okay. Love the love Canada. Love Canada. Love them. So here's what we can do. It's up to you. It's just you and me now, Craig. We got, uh, uh, obviously, questions. We have some tough scenarios. We have blacksmithing in popular culture. And uh, let me know what you want to do.
4: Let's do a couple of questions, and then we'll talk about blacksmithing in popular
2: culture. That's right. Okay, go
4: ahead. Um, Where are we? Neil Warren. Um, Okay, so picking out an anvil and trying to stay with a smaller company, I ordered an Atlas Knife Makers anvil. Should I have held out for a more traditional pattern, even though I don't do any other smithing, for the most part? Um, thank you guys for making Mondays rock. Cheers. That's Neil Warren. Um, so he's just bought a an Atlas Knife Makers Anvil. Um, what's the difference between that and a normal sort of, traditional pattern?
2: I'm going to look I it I up bought? right now. Uh, mm. Atlas.
4: I assume it's just a flat, almost like a flat. Uh, let's have a look. Atlas Knife Makers Anvil.
3: Oh.
2: Uh. Oh, this is fun podcasting right here. <laughs> I'm looking stuff up. We're both this looking stuff up. Right.
4: Oh, okay, it's just it's just like like a normal anvil, which hasn't got any horns, basically, right? So there's a little hardy hole in there, but there's no, there's no horn at all. I,
2: I think that I think that it's interesting because we get a lot of questions about anvils, and this is the reason why. Uh, Craig, you should be picking up every single anvil you can find because apparently they're throwing them away in France. They are, really are yeah. But it's I, I, there's a lot of knife makers who traditional blacksmiths, and I know that uh, I believe that a USA knife maker was selling of like basically like a block of steel with a a plate on the bottom that you could bolt to a piece of wood. And I know a lot of uh, knife makers like Will, Mor- Will Morrison in in, um, in Australia just uses like a four x four piece of steel. If you're just doing very basic forging, there's no real need for a horn. There's no need for a lot of things. You you really want to focus. If you're just wanting to be a bladesmith, you should just get what you can afford. I personally feel like anvils... I, my One of my first anvils was a railroad tra- track anvil, and I hated it. As soon as I got a real one, I was just like, I don't know what I was waiting for. I, the hardest part is if you're unwilling to just buy one, buy expensive one or buy, you know, you should be trying to find one and then you should try to do what you can, you, it's something that you're going to have for the rest of your life and they have good resale value as long as you feel like you're getting a good deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but if the, if the anvil works, if the Atlas works for you, then, then that's it. And I I do believe that, um, there, things find, you find, anvils are one of those things that, especially if people know that you're a knife maker, they start to like, things get attracted to you, or maybe a friend on social media will say, hey, you know, someone near you's got this anvil, or I know a lot of guys are on Facebook, Facebook marketplace and, and Craigslist all the time, and there are deals to be had. So, um, whatever it takes is my opinion. Um, and, um, you know, don't be afraid to upgrade and, you know, get rid of it if you don't want. I, I haven't got rid of one of them. I have four anvils. I haven't got rid of one of them. I, I find it hard to bullet. I find it almost impossible to think about getting rid of them, to be honest with you. Yeah. But they're, well, they're certainly not going to lose value, are they, if they're, if they're in demand? Apparently not. I mean, people are lousy with anvils. I mean, it's it's I, and you, what you just want to make sure you're not doing is you're not getting people are people are selling stuff at stupid prices like there are a lot of people who are really trying to take advantage of not understanding what you want it's good that you know that you don't need a horn because maybe you don't want to you know use the horn but i mean you know yeah there you go held back a snigger there yeah
0: at parker our purpose is simple we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently
2: Okay, the next one is, I guess is going to try one more time. Um, he just updated his Chrome app. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. Fingers crossed. <laughs> uh, here comes from, uh, this one comes from Hitty Wen. Hey, guys, I've just watched Craig's video on YouTube on etching a blade with the brother P700 label printer. Oh. I've made recent. Uh, I, I've recently made myself a DIY electro etcher. Shout out to DC Knives, and now I'm thinking of buying a printer to create my own stencils. On some forums and uh, and people's and videos, people are making stencils, uh, and they can that are, are too thin and will burn. Also, the results are not as neat as vinyl stencils. Both seem to be not the case in your video. As your video is from 2017, I would like to know if you would still recommend the Brother P700. Since the comments are turned off in your video, I'm asking you here. Cheers. <laughs> Hitty from the Netherlands. <laughs> you know, this is the
4: the video that I would literally get in messages like multiple times a day. And this is five years old now. Um, and it was always the same messages. Like, where do you get the tape for this? Um for this printer. And I think that's the problem. Nobody can get the tape anymore. Um, I actually, it was okay. It, it did the job. You can get a really sharp, crisp results. Um, I, it never seemed to burn with me. Um, and you know, you literally just print it off and it's ready to go immediately. It was really convenient. Um, the, the only issue that I did have, <clears throat> excuse me, was the, the P700, which is the one I was using. I know there's an updated version now. The one that I was using, the, the print quality, I think it was 70 DPI. Um, so if you imagine, you know, DPI stands for dots per inch. If you imagine the uh, the quality then wasn't as good as, you know, a newer printer, which would give you sort of 300 DPI or above. It, it squeezes more into that small space. Um, so, yeah, it, it it wasn't the best. I mean, it was far better than, you know, s- s- you know, what I've, I've seen some other people use in um but it, you know compared to a laser it it, it doesn't really compete but it, you know it did the job really well and they're relatively cheap but yeah, I think the problem is you judging by the comments that I was getting you can't get the tape any any longer anywhere um so you know if you come across a big stash of the tape great um and the 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 tape was STE02 if i remember correctly just cuz so many people asked for it over the years um yeah, that was that was the problem, but um, it it was good. I enjoyed I enjoyed it. You could you know you could print out, you know, different graphics if you needed, and you know even on that video, I think I did like this lace in pattern and stuff as well with it. It yeah, it 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 was good. Um, but yeah, it, the tape is the issue, not really the machine. There we go. Morocco, are you with us? You are. You sound good. You yeah. You, you must have found some some coins for that for that <laughs> phone box.
2: Well, this is perfect, then, then we can... Well, let's ask the next question to you. This one is from Al Woodworks. I see a lot of ha- high-carbon steel with Damascus cladding, but I never see Damascus with, say, stainless cladding. Other than looks, is there a reason for not having the cutting edge be Damascus and use a different material for cladding? It,
4: yeah, it, it, it seems a strange thing to do as well, have this beautiful Damascus, then cover it up, and only to have that tiny cutting edge, and you probably wouldn't make out any patterns anyway. It seems a lot of work for... It's a lot of real estate to cover up, right? Okay, let's move on with,
2: um, was it some blacksmithing, what was it, in popular culture? Ah, you know, it's funny because you don't often hear blacksmithing in popular culture. No. And it's, uh, it's one of those things that, you know... If I see it, it's usually something that's I have to do it quick. A lot of times it's like yeah. last week I did the stupid thing with, you know, Conor McGregor just happened to have the name of his shot, the name of his bar was the Black Forge Inn or something yeah. like that. It's so stupid. It's a very tenuous very link. Tenuous. Yeah. But I know that this is not for you, but I was watching and I will not do spoilers, but I was watching the book of Boba Fett on on oh. Uh, and I know you're grown, Jeff. Listen, just let me finish the story. I'm allowed to have a little I'm a, some of the our listeners like this stuff. So they had this in the newest episode, no spoilers, they had a space blacksmith. And the space blacksmith forged down an object. I'm not giving you any spoilers. they forged forged out an object into a smaller object. And what i want what I thought was interesting was at first, I thought, this is gonna be stupid. And then I thought, well, they actually used their heads. And they made something big into something small instead of something small into something big. And they they actually had a very, very... The first time in any kind of blacksmithing I've seen on TV where there was a volume change that seemed correct. Hmm. So there you go. That's blacksmithing in popular culture.
4: There we go.
2: You obviously take your news from different sources to me. Dude, let's just make it very clear. I am am like... Any type of (laughs) popular culture... If I look up hammers in the news, it's hammer attacks. <laughs> I am I'm really <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm at I'm on th- there's some thin stuff going on in the blacksmithing world. Super duper thin.
4: Well I've sent you some headlines that I've noticed over the last week or so. <laughs> <laughs> so you've
2: definitely got a different news source to me. So let, let me read just these I like two number, headlines. One, number okay. two is I like it when 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 Mareko leaves, you immediately go from pizza. Now you're going to read me headlines for the news. That's great. No knife <laughs> talk anymore. Okay, go ahead. So this, this is from the Metro,
4: which is – it's a free paper, but it's quite well-respected, actually. So if you're in London, they hand them out on the tube and stuff. So nobody reads them on the way to work, all that kind of thing. Um, this is the headline, okay? I'm clear my throat, This is quite a serious yes. headline here. <clears throat> woman rode motorcycle naked. <laughs> got. F- <laughs> I, I honestly don't think I can even. You have it. to read it now. Well, I don't know what it is. Woman, woman rode motorcycle naked. Got fingered in the street and punched a blind man. That's the that's the headline Jesus. for the stories. So just to repeat, woman rode motorbike naked. Got fingered in the street. And punched a blind man. This all happened in one day for this one woman. Blade magazine will um, never,
2: never contact us after this episode. <laughs> Blade magazine, I apologize for everything I said. Just keep doing your thing. You don't need us. <laughs>
4: <laughs> so that got my attention, yeah, obviously. Yeah, clearly. Um, and there's another one here. This is, this is this is The Guardian, which again, it's a, well, this is probably even more well-respected in the UK. It's you know one of the staples. Um, and this was in Ireland, so maybe this won't surprise you so much. Um, but anyway, in Ireland, two men take corpse into the Irish post office to claim the dead man's pension.
2: Jesus, what is going on in the UK? When I anytime I do uh, the downward spiral with Nico and I'm looking for crazy stories, it's all from like the it's all from the news sources in the UK. All of it. It's always something <laughs> weird, like like you've said two weird stories that are probably very well, commonplace. It, this particular one, so it, it sounds like it's something
4: from a, a TV show, a comedy TV yeah. show. They went in to collect this man's pension because he, he he died and they were drinking. They were like, "Well, he we must well at least go and get the money that the government owe him." Um, and they said, "No, you need that. You need the guy's identification to claim his pension." So rather than go and get his wallet and bring that back. They brought his corpse, and you know they put a hat on him as you know it was a full-on Uncle Buck moment. You know well, they, they dressed him up like weekend of, weekend of Bernie. Sorry, yes, and they, and they walked him in. You know, and um, they got suspicious, and they said, "Well, no, we're not giving you the money." So they just dropped the corpse on the floor and ran out. Oh my god! <laughs> so I can only imagine that there was some alcohol or maybe some substances you know happening on that day for that for that to happen but jesus christ so uh, this may well be a regular part of the show um british headlines of the week. oh my
2: god please i mean if you're a blade show and you're listening to this part maybe you should should reconsider (laughs) jesus (laughs) back to knives i suppose back to knives. where were we well we have Um, questions and we also have uh we have some tough scenarios and we have some questions
4: Let's do a tough scenario okay. just after this. Okay.
1: Knife Talk is sponsored by Even Heat, the manufacturers of the finest heat treat
4: ovens available. To find your next oven, go to evenheat-kiln.com. And remember, you can go to forward slash heat and get a discount on that. So, uh, Soul Ceramics, who are a uh, like a, a supplier of Even Heats. Um, they'll give you $75 off and free shipping in the US. So knifetalk.net forward slash heat to get your even heat. Um, And that link will be in the description too. And I've heard that they're getting a big load of stock in as well. Um, So you don't have to wait for them to build it. Um, There's going to be stock actually available. So as soon as that happens, we'll
2: let you know. I actually had a great conversation with Spence this week. Uh, I gave him a call. Actually, you know what? I tell you what, if you have any customer service questions... They are open early and they are great. I actually had, I was having problems with my tap screen. It was like not, uh, you know, like the tap screen, when you press it, sometimes it goes out of sync and you have to, you have to re-sync the, Resync, and I was having a problem, and I called them up, and they helped me. Kind of, talk, they talked me through it, and then I ended up talking to Spence for a while, and uh, they got a lot of great stuff going on, and, and they are hugely, hugely happy with what's going on. He listens, Spence listens to every every week. Yeah, I must have talked to him on Monday, and by the time or Tuesday, and he'd already listened. He heard all about Doctor Laren. He liked the the Laren Thomas uh, episode. Yeah, the guys at Even here are awesome, and um, hmm. you guys listening to the podcast are doing a great job with them. So. We've threatened to get Spence on once or twice, but um, I, I don't think he's too keen. Um, we could get him on. I know that I know that he's supposed to go on the Handmade podcast at some point. But Spence, you know, if you want to come on, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll anything you want. We could do a whole even heat episode. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's great. He and his brother—it's a—it's a family. It's a family. Mike is the dad, and his he and his brother are in there, and the whole family's in there, and they're just—it's just a nice, nice, nice group of people. Um, Okay, here's a dilemma from Justin Modica. I got a dilemma. So I'm making a knife for a pretty good friend's uncle, a pretty good friend's uncle. My friend warned me that his uncle had cancer, but liked my work and always wanted a 10-inch Bowie knife. His uncle messaged me and was down to pay for one, giving me $100 down payment. Anyway, my friend called to say his uncle's back in the hospital. It doesn't look too good. And he might, oh. you know, things aren't looking good. I've, um, I just have a sheath left to make for the knife. Um but before i uh but if he does croak that's his before he <laughs> before i finish you shouldn't it, laugh this is you, quite serious do you think i should give him the knife um to my friend as a memory or should i keep it and try to sell it obviously i know it's i should ask for more than a hundred dollars down from now on mm. so what would you do in the situation I, I mean who knows you
4: know your relationship with your friend i, I don't know um and obviously the relationship your friend had with his uncle as well. There's, there's, a, there's a lot of moving factors right. here. But um, I think when you originally take on that order, that's got to be in the back of your mind, surely. surely yeah,
2: but you know, you know what? It's uh, nice to do nice things for people. Like It is, yeah. yeah. I don't. I, I. I. tend to not want to nickel and dime everything. Sometimes it's nice to kind of like do things out of the kindness of your heart every so often. Mm. Sometimes that's kind of more important than than just every nickel and dime, you know? Yeah. 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 And I, you know, this is
4: obviously quite a sensitive situation between, you know, you and your friend and not the rest of it. So, you know, who knows? If, you know, if you two are close, that would be a lovely thing to do. Yeah. Without a doubt, you know, it'd be
2: a memory for him to keep up, you know, make him the knife. Just make remind him, the him of knife. his uncle. Just yeah. say, you know, I'm sorry that you're going through this. Actually, recently we had a friend of mine. Actually, I'll tell you a story: a, a childhood friend of mine, who's one of my close friends, childhood friend, has had a, a child with real health issues. You know, in the last year and a half. Hmm. And this is a person that really meant a lot to me growing up. And and um, they were they liked the knives and stuff like that. And I just they were talking about it and and, and they were seeing the things that they wanted. And I was like, you know what? These people have been through enough. So I just made them a knife, and I didn't even tell them. I made them the knife that they liked, and I sent it to them. And they were – I mean, I, and I wrote to them, and they said, we need to pay for this. And I said, look, you know what? You paid enough. Sometimes it is nice to do a nice thing once in a while. I didn't make a big thing about it, but I'm like, you know, I'm not taking your money. And you yeah. deserve – you've been dealing with a lot of things with your kid. You deserve a little bit of a little bit of happiness. So I, I really – you know, sometimes it's nice to just be nice. You know? Yeah. No, I agree. So great. That would be a very nice thing to do. Yeah, just give give him the goddamn knife, for Christ's sakes. Don't don't worry about the hundred bucks. Um, Okay. This one comes from Nico Cloudus. I think he's from Greece. About a month ago, a quote friend reached through Instagram for a hunting knife, and I told him for a ten-inch knife. This is not this is not the same. What is the last one? This is this is something new. So, okay, this is from Nico. Uh, he asked for a hunting knife, and I told he told um, I told him for a ten-inch knife with 1095 and ebony scales, uh, and a um, hundred and twenty euros with the leather sheath included. Wow. If he wanted stainless it would be 150 euros cuz I would pay for the heat treat I would have to pay for the heat treatment and the travel to get the heat tr- the, the knife heat treated. A few days later he calls and he says he wants the leather sheath for an- he wants just the leather sheath for a knife he already owns. But he di- <laughs> but he didn't own it because a friend of mine made it from 80 CRV2 with veg scales and he sold it a few days ago. I wanted, so the guy wanted to know what the price of the knife was. He, this is the price of the knife with the sheath. So then he says, I want just the sheath. Uh-huh. And he says for his knife, but it turns out he he wanted it for a knife he bought from someone for else. not another knife. Um, <laughs> I decided to tell him to go fuck off. I'm not insulted. Yeah, that was my response. <laughs> I'm fuck not, off. Uh, yeah. I'm not, um, I decided to tell him to fuck off. I'm not insulted by him buying somebody from something from someone else, but I think it's very rude to make a sheath to make his sheath when he doesn't say anything. Um, yeah, if he's
4: just straight with you and just said, oh, "Sorry, I ended up getting going to somebody else," but I'd, I'd love you to make a sheath. He'd be like, "Yeah,
2: cool," but yeah, that's it's just all a bit any underhand. The customer didn't know that they're friends. The knife makers were both friends, so ah uh, ah. Uh. Mm. Hey, there you go. Yeah, tell him to fuck off. He did the right thing. <laughs> you know, you find you find that having to navigate through the very antisocial behavior of other people, and it's like it it frustrates you because you expect people to treat you the way you would treat them, and when they don't, you get mad, and it's like mm. the worst. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, especially when there's money involved Ugh, as well. when there's like, money involved know, it's just, but it's when tire kickers friends. are involved Ugh. and they think well, I'm never going to see this person again so I mean my dad my dad used to like he would we get in a, he would never tip anybody and his whole mindset was like I'll never see these people again you know it was just like yeah but I mean the, you know that's not really the way you should be why don't you just be yeah. nice he used to get mad at me too when I was nice to the toll when I would drive through a toll booth. I always was very nice. Hello, I would smile. I'd say hello, how you doing? Thanks again, and give him the toll. And my dad would always say to me, "Why are you so nice to them?" And I would say, "Because this is the shittiest job of all time, being the toll booth yeah. taker. Why not be nice? What's wrong with that?" So there you go, a little yeah. little dad story. We have one every week, I've noticed, Jeff. Do we have one last week? I don't think so.
4: <laughs> I'm sure we would have.
2: Uh, we can. We could. We surely could. Uh, he shaped you more than you know, Jeff. How does that make you feel? It makes me, uh, you know what, it is. We'll, we'll talk about it another time. Let's put back Where are Naren we? Um, M. Okay, Naren M. Okay. Naren M. Naren M is in the questions. I'm out of, I'm mm-hmm. out of dilemmas. Okay,
4: where am I then? Uh, ah, yes, yes. Okay. Gentlemen. He clearly doesn't mean us. Several people have said to me that Fuller's uh, strength in a blade. Of course, they tell me this without any scientific explanation whatsoever. So I'm hoping if one of you guys could give me an answer and also an explanation to back up your answer. Thank you so much. So, hmm, would a Fuller strengthen a blade? I, I would never have thought so. Um, but it's just occurred to me. If you look at, like, an I-beam. yeah. That gives extra strength because of the, you know, the the shape of that. So, uh, I mean, what are you doing with a knife where you need the extra sort of strength? I,
2: I don't know. I, the answer is I don't know. Well, it's it's interesting because I was trying to think about it because I don't do fullers. I've heard that, you know, if you can, if actually in, in, when you're making a full-tang knife, a lot of people like I do is drill holes in the knife handle to take space yeah. to take a little bit of weight out. And I was told by a few knife makers that what you should do is you should hollow it out, and you know with a with like a fullering uh, jig, like you could get at Broadback Ironwork sells fullering fullering uh, attachments. And then what happens is you create this, like, I-beam quality. And what I've been told is it does take out some weight and it does cause, you know, make it strengthen just like an I-beam. One thing I was thinking about when I was looking at this question is back in the day when we were doing railings, we were doing a lot of outdoor railings, outdoor fencing. Fencing, go around a swimming pool or going around a pool or something like that. And when we would make the posts, we would never use solid... Bars. We would never use solid bars, and the reason was wasn't just because of the weight and the price, but tubing, like steel tubing, was stronger than um, stronger structurally than solid bars of the same wow. thickness because they can't bend over their own weight. So, like you can bend. I think I'm under the impression that it might be uh, they were saying that the the posts were if they were solid, they are easier to bend on their own weight than um bend on their own weight than than tubing so it does make sense it definitely does make sense
4: yeah wow yeah
2: yeah i hadn't given it much thought
4: but yeah the first question would be why would you need to you know strengthen your blade in that way but um yeah structurally i suppose it does make sense yeah Okay. Michael um, Ward has said, what equipment would you add to a forge space that already has a forge? Three small anvils, a 65-pound big blue hammer, a 16-ton coal ironworks press, and a variable speed grinder.
2: Um, There are heating ovens there too. Thank you. Michael's got money to earn at the moment. I think it says underneath it says for his college. His college has a pretty nice sorry, area. It goes on. Yeah, uh this is the college I graduated from and it's pretty much open
4: to use uh for any student after training. It's also used for engineering metallurgy classes to demonstrate different processes or material properties. Okay. Um so what have they got, they've got they've got uh they've got forges, they've got anvils, they've got a big uh big hammer, they've got a big press and they've got a grinder um and heating ovens. Huh. I mean, you've got everything you need there to make knives. Um, you know, drill presses, I suppose. You know, um, buffers, all that kind of stuff. I'm assuming you've
2: got them there. Hmm. Swage blocks. Get yourself a nice swage block. That's a, that's important. I think people don't realize how great swage blocks are for not for knife making, but for other blacksmithing things. So you definitely get a big old swage block and get hmm. some post vices. Post vices are the best. I would get some post vices. Um and make like a stand so they're like you can use them in the middle of the shop and then what else would I get I would get uh, I would get uh, more hammers, more equipment, more tongs and uh, more I would probably get more uh, grinder attachments for my grinder Where would you get that? I would go to broadbeckironworks.com and definitely get more of their uh, grinder attachments and the, and the attachments are great because they're very flexible and I just built this rack to hold all the grinder attachments I have from them and they're great and uh, if you go to broadbackironworks.com put in the promo code KNIFETALK uh, you're going to get the upgrade to the Moreco Deep Platinum which is great. I, it has a bigger contact wheel on the bottom, uh, which is really pretty amazing. Actually, if you were going to make fullers, it would be perfect for making fullers. Uh, and uh, everything they make is really nice. And I think that they have a few surface grinders ready to ship right now. So get a hold of them. Get yourself one of them surface grinders or one of the other attachments at broadbeckironworks.com.
4: Cool, cool. Back back to that um, stand that you made. Um when I sent you that message, I was completely over engineering everything in my head. So I was thinking of, of a metal plate and you know, welding some tube right. in on there and, and each each leg would go in the tube so I could just pull them out when I need them. And like the cost of steel these days, you know, even just you know, junk yeah. steel do this kind of stuff, it would have cost a fortune and it would have been so heavy. Yours just nailed it really simply and yeah. Although I did see uh, somebody else, oh, fuck it, what's his name? Jay you know, who Fortune Fire Judge Jay Nielsen. Nielsen, Nielsen. He put up a picture today, I think it was on his Facebook, where he drilled holes in his tool arms and he just had like um like spikes coming out and he just he just hung them up from the hole.
2: Oh, I see. Bottom, bottom edge of the arm. So they're just up. Wrap well, them, stick them in. You know like, what though? I tell you what. I I tell you what. One I had a nice conversation with Vince not too long ago. I was having problems because one of my arm, the arms, one of my tool arms was like wearing away where the tightener is, and he says just hmm. turn it around. So I unbolted everything. I turned it around. I had a nice yes. <laughs> flat face on the other side. I think that if I if I like lose it, I might Ah, uh, you know what? God bless Jay Nielsen. Drill some holes in your thing and hang them up. I do like mine because it's out of the way. It's sticking up, and I don't have any wall space anymore. All my all my hooks are for grinder belts. Like hmm, I don't have any true. wall space at all. Yeah, zero wall space. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. There you go.
4: Okay, but that brings us nicely onto um, Morning Glory blades. Um, what are your preferred storage organization methods for belts? right or for for anything okay okay um he doesn't say anything specific but uh, you know any tips for storage organization um i mean belts i just do the same as everybody else i just stick them on hooks at one point i built these like drawers and had them all in drawers um but it was just a ball like to get them out because obviously they coil inside each other and it was yeah i just do what everybody else ends up doing stick them on a hook you know um I don't know how – you know, some people say it's not good for the belts because of the seam, taking the weight. But, hey, I've never had really an issue. The
2: the real problem Um, that a lot of people have sent us messages about is what do you do about the J-weight belts? Because they're mm, so thin, there's probably humidity in the air that's making them curl a little bit, right? Mm, Probably, yeah, yeah. That's the one thing. I mean –
4: yeah, I, I I do the same with them, and then I'm there, you know, trying to unravel them and stick them around my wheels, and yeah, it's, it's a pain. Um, but yeah, the only other way I've tried is a draw, and that just wasn't practical either, so I don't really know. Maybe keep them in the packaging that they're in until you need to use them. I think their death
2: and throw them out in an ideal world, but no. Nope. That you know what? Actually, keeping them in the bo- in the box is a great idea until you really until you go back and forth into the box. I think mm. that it was Bob Menard was using a, a MIG MIG spool gun coils. Like are the um, when you buy when you buy a MIG gun uh, or, or when you buy yeah, a you MIG welding wire it, it, when you finish up the wire it comes in like a like a like a cassette Spool. like a big round yeah. cassette and he was using those and then you could probably use those to weigh the bottom down but yeah somebody got to figure out a, a way to an easy way to store belts especially if you buy a pile of them i'm looking at a mess of them a rough fucking yeah. mess of them yeah um other storage tips i keep my um
4: glues and stuff like that in a temperature controlled sort of cabinet which is basically an old fridge um, stick a, um, like a, a greenhouse heater in there, it's one of those little ceramic tubes, um, and stick that on a thermostat, so everything's always at the right temperature, so, you know, in the winter, they can often freeze over, in the summer, they're too runny, keep them around about sort of 18, 19 degrees C in that cabinet, works well, um, also good for, for, once you've glued up as well, put them into that cabinet, um, your knives overnight, and you know that they, they're the perfect temperature for, for setting, um, that's I mean storage is just you know dependent on your space really isn't it you know that's
2: what you've got I have a controversial way of storing things one is anything you don't need or use get it out of your shop I really tried to make the shop as bare bones for knife making as possible I, this is not a place to store snowblowers. This is not a place to store tools that you don't need. I have one drawer with electrical stuff. If I have to make changes of like plugs or stuff like that, but like I don't have, I try to keep the drunk drawers down. I try to mm-hmm. make sure that the tools I need are in the stations that I need. Like all my all my um, all my uh, files are where by the vices where I would do the file work. I'd really try to minimize this shit in my shop and I listen to my sister used to say to me don't shit it up with crap so I mm, do yeah. go out of my way to make sure that if I'm not using this tool it's a way and I'm never going to need it or or it's somewhere that's out of my way because clutter is the problem and the less you need the better actually I was looking at uh, old pictures of my old shop which was the shed And it was tight. It was like eight feet by 12 feet. And I had everything in there. Every spot was it was exact the amount of space I had. My chop saws were on the doors. So when the doors would open, there'd be a chop saw on the door. I had a a table saw mounted to the door. So the door would open and the table saw would go out. Everything I had no room for bullshit, so I found that when you just don't need a lot of stuff that you don't need, just get rid of it, and and or put it somewhere where you don't need it. Just get it out of your way, and then there won't be clutter.
4: Yeah, yeah. I've just ordered one of those, um, you know, those like engineer's cabinets um, on casters. Yes, um, you know, with the really short drawers. I ordered one of them with the hope that I only put in there the stuff that I'll need day to day, and it's because it's on uh, on wheels. It can sort of come around with me different areas of the shop. Um because what I had previously was just you know a big tool wall and everything was up on the wall, and nothing would ever go back and you 'd lose it, and then quickly everything just all mounts up so so i 'm hoping this' this will help with that um yeah it's i always stru- I always struggle with keeping things where they should be, and yeah it's it's i i 'm not a tidy person basically I need yeah um but yeah it 's trying to come up with little little hacks like that I suppose that would that would force you to be you know.
2: My favorite hack, I think probably my best hack of all time, is how I clean up my clamps. Did you see that little dopey video I did of my clamps with the old drill thing? People loved yeah. it. Yeah. people were crazy about it. So you have those little clamp, those tiny little C clamps that you use for gluing, gluing stuff up, and you always get shit in there. You always get like mm. get the glue in there or whatever. Oh yeah. So what I did was I got a, uh, I think it was like a seven sixteenths. Sorry guys, uh, like a socket, but a socket that goes in your drill gun. Right. And then I cut out a channel in the socket so it would be able to fit around a um the 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 vice the the twisting part of the vice. And then I was able to run the drill to open and close the vice to get open and close the the clamp so it would cut out it would knock out all the uh, the gunk and people the threads, uh, clean the threads cleans up. the threads yeah. up and it's it works great and, it, and you don't have to fight the clamps and then it was just like it's turned into like it's probably the best tip I've ever had <laughs> uh, I'll I'll and they probably be the only last and then you know I could do a million things but the, the you know the how to clean the, the the crap out of your clamp's gonna be what I'm gonna go down with and then I can't do better than that so I'm gonna I'm done with no more tips from me that's it that's my only yeah. tip from now on yeah that's it I think cl- points we're done i'm done. i can't um, do it better than that benjamin mullins so you yeah, want to go ahead oh okay yes uh, i'm fairly benjamin mullins says i'm fairly i'm a fairly new listener to you for the podcast i'm loving the podcast i'm very new to knife making and i'm wanting to make a, a kitchen knife for my friend he's wanting a kitchen knife that'll survive the outdoors and keep an edge well What style of kitchen knife would you recommend, and what kind of steel would you recommend? I've been eyeballing some stainless steels. A kitchen knife that will survive the outdoors. Um, So I suppose you want like
4: a camp knife, I suppose. Stainless steel is the move.
2: If you don't want to have to worry about the rust.
4: Yeah, yeah. And if you want to be extra special, you know, because this is a friend of yours, you could get some Dharma steel and really take it up a level. Um, and we can get you a discount, obviously, if you go to damsteel.se, um and you put knife talk in, um, once you've set up your account, you'll get 10% off your order. Um, and it obviously is the best stuff. But um, what style? Okay, uh, so it's a kitchen knife to be used, possibly outdoors as well. So I, I'd say you want, yeah, like a so, so sort of camp knife and maybe keep it thin. Um, and when you, you know... Tell your friend not to go, through, you know, battening through wood and all that kind of stuff with it. You know, if this is for cooking, it needs to be used specifically for cooking. That's what Yeah, I'm but saying.
1: outdoor camp um, knives,
2: I think that the, the, in the mindset of people who think they want something for, you know, cutting their sausage and then, you know, battening. I mean, you just this guy says this is new to the podcast and you're trying to get him into some steel, which is number one. As a high-level move of yours, you're selling iced Eskimos here, Craig. I mean, that's unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, you just, you want, I mean, if it depends. I think people have this idea of, of the, I made a camping cooking knife for my old friend Carl Ruiz. He wanted something, his quote was, I want something for backyard barbecue and home defense. <laughs> yeah. So it was no knuckle guard, something with a little clearance, something short. You don't need a, you know, a 10-inch chef knife if you're bringing on a camping trip. You know, some make a short bushcraft knife that doesn't have a bush, you know, bushcraft knives are, are probably the what the one to do because they're not really known for having um they're not no, known for having big knuckle guards. I think that's your yeah, move if yeah. you want a kitchen knife outdoors. You just don't want that knuckle guard interfering with the heel of your blade.
1: Right?
4: Hmm. yeah 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 and yeah but again you do you, you don't want it to be too thick you know um because a lot of people immediately think an outdoor knife is going to be thick and they're going to be using you know throwing it at trees and all
2: sorts of shit <laughs> i tell um, you what would be perfect which is we are all guest uh uh quentin middleton's new uh his um oh that foldable his yeah, folding chef knife i got it it's the uh what is the name of it again it's the uh eno or something like that i think isn't it it's three letters
4: oh no yeah oh, no. it's oh,
2: great me. i mean it's perfect it's perfect for camping. i mean that is that folding chef knife that the quentin middleton made is perfect for camping because it's it's burly enough that you could definitely use it for like cleaning fish and stuff like that i mean i wouldn't batten boy- who's battening trees anyway for a campfire and then you're going to cook a five-star d- meal come on man give me a break. I don't know why people do that. They love to do that. I want to make a, you know, I want to make a rat tattoo, but I also want to like cut some trees down. I mean, what uh, are you doing? Come on, man. I would get one of those. Get an ax. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. Um, Eben
4: blade customs. Let's just take, let's take two more. We'll, we'll call it a day. What's the difference between an S grind and a grant and edge? Is there even a difference or is it just different names for the same thing? Um, I think so. So um, in my uh, from what I gather anyway, um, an S-grind runs right down, you know, sort of the blade, whereas a grind and edge has all, almost these like grooves, you know? So you, 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 it's like parts of an S-grind Then
2: there's a gap part of an S-grind. Yeah, like scallops. There are scallops things. in the middle. Scallop, exactly. yes. That's what I was trying to say.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Whereas an S-grind, you generally don't do that. It's just one big grind. Right. Um, that's my uh, feeling about it. Um, um, is it a difference or is it just different names for the same? Yeah, so there that, that is a difference, basically, yeah. So, yeah. again, if you imagine um, you're looking at the, the sort of the cheek of the blade, um, an S-Grind will take out like a scallop, one big scallop along the whole like length. Yeah, like a fuller, basically, yeah. Whereas a Grant and Edge will be strips of
2: that. Yeah. People love food release for some reason. I mean, it's like... It's the, the. I see the grand edges in like when I see anytime I see uh, what's his face uh, Gordon Ramsey he always got a knife with a grand edge on it like he's like I don't know what I would think that they're probably pretty hell what the idea of both of them is. Is you're creating no? You're creating. Uh, you're 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 taking away the idea of suction, so you suction, can't like yeah. when you're cutting potatoes. Potato is like potato is the is the uh, the the warrior, the the enemy of flat blades because it, I guess it's got yeah. some like, gluck on the. I don't know we call it. you don't call it potato it's juice, starch isn't it? Oh, yeah, starch. Yeah. You don't call it potato juice or potato <laughs> gluck. You call it, you call it the starch. Just juice some juice potatoes, Ugh. and then <laughs> you, yeah. when you're cutting it, that sloppy suction against the side of your blade makes it stick. And then some people apparently get annoyed by it and they use their finger and they take it off. But if you have a grand edge, which is those, you know, one after the other, every, every you know, so often there's like a, like a little cut inside the knife, you're preventing that gluck or that <laughs> potato juice from creating that suction cup action. Same thing with a um, with a, an S-grind. In regards to the difference it's i think that i don't know who i tell you who does a grant edge my uh, of custom knife makers who does a grant edge probably one of the best grant edges around is our friend Fingal ferguson yeah he does grant edges with damasteel steel and it looks so tight because the the cut and i would imagine that more uh, you want to talk about so now all of a sudden you want to talk about backtail we had a guy who asked a question about no one puts stainless steel on Stainless steel on uh, Damascus. If you did stainless steel with Damascus core, and then you put a Granton and edge and on then there, did a Granton edge? Wow, yeah, you're a bad motherfucker, and you have to pay a royalty yeah. to Fingal Ferguson because that's what he does. He'll do that uh. Granton edge, and then it'll be these like little little lobes of beauty inside. But you want to you want to talk about some hot shit stuff? Do do a Grant Edge with a, with a with some sand my or something like that. Figure it out, and then cut us a check. <laughs> cut us a check for that idea, ladies and germs. Grant Edge. Um, you pick one more, then Jeff, and we'll we'll call it a day.
4: <sighs> okay, let's see. Um, by the way, all these questions come via Instagram, so you can follow us at Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram. If you have a question, send them through um, and jeff does all the hard work so jeff compiles these and we get we, we've got so many so thank you all so much for so sort of and
2: practicing. we need some new ones ladies and germs this isn't you know come on we got to help something out um yeah. <laughs> minuteman edc writes hey guys i have a hammer question i have a rounding hammer a cross peen and a straight peen i've been looking at a dog's head hammer is it worth it what are the pros and cons love the show I just did a whole episode of the full blast podcast with my main man John Ariani. We talked about pros and cons, overrated, underrated of the of hammers, and we did talk about a Japanese hammer. Do you know about those Japanese style hammers, Craig? Only from your podcast. Um, I
4: don't have one. I've never used one. Um, but yeah, I only know one from. Them. They're interesting because
2: they're if you don't forge, they're. You think you know how they are until you actually using them. So because a Japanese dog's head hammer, the eye of the hammer is not in the middle of the hammer, but it's on one side and all the weight of that material is, is out, almost like if you had an axe, but instead of it being tapered like to a point, it's like out, flat and like big. And the idea is it's like it's it's for it's not for forging, but it's for planishing your bevels of your of whatever you're doing. So like Japanese dog and hammers are great for that planishing. Cause you like, you have those, you have, the, it it falls flat and it's easier to kind of flatten out that, you know, flatten out in the indentation. There's a lot of people who use them. Um, mm-hmm. and is it overrated? Underrated? I think, I think we said on I think we said that it was perfectly rated. I think I said it was overrated. But I just don't use it. I get the same I get the same results from any square faced I like a square faced hammer. I, I don't, but at the same time, I'm sure that if I had the right one, that I, and I gave it a whirl, I'd probably say this is the best thing ever. So I think what we yeah. ended up saying was, if you needed to round, you needed to round up your, you know, you wanted to just get a couple more to round out your hammer rack. Why don't you get one? And I would get one from John Ariani, Sunset Forge. So that's the end of that. We go. I remember Knife Talk 10 to get 10% That's right. Off Make sure you has to be on the <laughs> newsletter. So get on the... <laughs> there
4: you go. And with that, I think we're done. I think we're done. Uh, it's a shame Morocco couldn't he stick did, with
2: us. He did. Um, we ha- I have after show stuff from him too. Cool. Okay.
4: Yeah. But he is on the road. So he will be back with us next week. Um, and we'll hear all about his travels too. So that'll be cool. Thank you all for listening. Bye for now. This show, there we go. Okay, okay. Um, so Morocco um, speaking to us from um, by proxy. Yeah, then. well, he. So we, you know, in the beginning
2: show, of the show, so. we were doing the wordle for your child's name. Ah, uh, yes, and he yes. He sent some names. He sent some names. Okay, let's have a look. I, so I'm gonna just I'm gonna I'm gonna read some, and then you tell me if there are any. Well, okay, well, we've got a shared document open here. Okay, this, is, this won't work so well for the podcast,
4: but we'll describe what we're doing. I've got a shared document, and if you have a look, I've got five dashes. Um,
2: oh, well, I have to read his logo. first.
4: Okay, All right. yeah.
2: Horus, H-O-R-U-S. I think he thinks you're Egyptian or something like that. H-O-R-U-S? H-O-R-U-S, yeah, yeah. Aren't you from, like, okay. aren't you from Alexandria? You're not... <laughs> Horus, Horus. Well, then he he has Boris. It's not that, but there is a U. Oh, there is a U. Yes. Well, there's Boris. He suggests Boris. Okay. No, there's no extra letter. Oh well, should I? Oh, so there's a. There is a U. And you had two oh, attempts. Oh, these are yes. his the guesses. What about them? My- but you're here in the results. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so you know. So I don't get it. All right. So there's a U. There's a U. There's a U in there somewhere. But there was no B. There was no D. There was no A. There was no T. No. Oh, Jesus Christ. I don't know, man. I'm not even looking. I can't even look. Uh... It's not very good audio for me trying to think. I mean, thinking is terrible audio. <laughs> Send your suggestions through to Night Talk Podcast. I'll just read off Instagram. his... i read off his... He had Joshy, Ripley, Billy, and then he had Killer. K-H-I-L-R.
4: Who calls that kid Killer?
2: <laughs> he, and then he finally God. says, admittedly, some of these are very bad names. Yes. But they use up letters. Yes. So he tried, he tried. Well, well they, this name, so
4: when, um, before we had the twins, we didn't know if they were going to be, you know, boys, girls or whatever at the time. Um, and I was pushing I have name the name, I think. was like, okay, no,
2: I don't. It's four letters.
4: Okay. <laughs> and Amy was like, it's, it, you can't have that name. It's ridiculous. I'm like, oh. But over time, she softened to the name. And now, when, once we knew it was a boy, she was like, okay, then you get to decide. So it's not okay, Hugo. Harsh. It's, no, it's not Hugo. Fuck. Jesus, no. Oh, was, Jesus, no. <laughs> I not a bad name.
2: Sorry if there's any Hugos listening, but it's, it's, it's not Hugo now. Oh, fuck. No. And we're going to get the DMs no. from the angry Hugos. What's wrong with my name? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's,
4: it's any time now, any time now, which, yeah, which is quite stressful because I'm sitting here in, in our kitchen, which, to be honest, it's nearly finished. Our kitchen I'm sitting in now is nearly finished. But I can see our front door and I can see an eight-inch hole at the bottom of the door, which is why it's so cold in here. Um, and there's just so many jobs to finish here. It's just like, ugh. but we'll get, there.
2: we'll get there. Well, how's the weather? Any good?
4: Um, it's cold, but it's been really like blue skies, bright, like beautiful, beautiful weather. To be honest with you. Um, and there's the signs spring are come in. The chickens are laying eggs, and there's yes, it's still like in the daytime. It's it's maybe eight or nine, maybe ten degrees C, um, but the evenings are still freezing. You know, you know, around about zero minus one Um, but yeah the daytime's now because I think the sun is out so much at the moment Um, yeah we're getting getting eggs from the chickens and we're starting to see some stuff sprouting from the you know from the ground so yeah we're quite lucky we have like we have intense winters here because we're right in the middle of France and we're you know it's not very mountainous here I suppose but we we do get quite intense winters but they're they're over pretty quickly so normally by February we're starting to wear t-shirts again you know so yeah, so hopefully in the next few weeks we we'll see big, big changes quickly. <sighs>
2: Jeez, yeah. it's I'm about to, we're about to have what's called a uh, Arctic bomb or some sort of blasting oh, snowstorm. I had to run out to get groceries at lunchtime because they we're expecting forty-eight inches, four wow. to eight, not running 48. Out of toilet paper and pasta in all the shops. Well, pardon me, I d- running out of toilet paper and pasta. Dude, and all I, the Dude, I got a I got a hot tip for you because when it's when it's when it's like a snow day, the girls like mm. pasta. I found. Yeah. We found. We might have found the most perfect pasta of all time. You'll never guess what it is. But what, what do you mean, like shape brand or shape? Oh, this um, is pfft. a game-changing shaped pasta. Game-changing. Game-changing. It's okay. called a radiatori It's like a radiator. Oh, wow! And okay. so it's a radiatori is, is is it? Is a tubular no. as well, so it's 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 got oh. like, it's got like fins coming off it. It looks like an it looks like a radiator. It really does look mm. like a radiator, but it's like a, sm- a small like a shell, but it has these like little fins all over it. So like it, it traps sauce perfect. I mean this this mm. thing might be. I mean you fuck around with the bullshit penne. Penne is the worst. P.S. Penne can you can just cut penne out penny i'm never buying penne. i hate penny really i don't like to how do you pick it up with the fork where you go through the tube with the fork It's bullshit can't penny sucks get yourself some <laughs> radiatory i'm begging you with it's the best sauce attaching pasta of all time so nice. we're gonna i got some radiatory got a few that extra things and then um we're gonna deal with some snowstorm so yeah Hunker yeah. down. I think I figured out How the name of your child. Me? By the way, so one far one you there's guess, it's one. a five letter word and there's a U in there. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> no, am I wrong? Or what is it in French? Jesus. 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 Yeah, that, that. I mean, that would
4: make me God. The Son of God was Jesus, wasn't he? Um, was he? No. I, yeah, I don't. F- good
2: job. Now, not not just we're not just on, getting bad emails from Hugo. All the Hugos <laughs> in the world. You're a hugo I didn't pay much attention to uh, religious studies. Jeez, what a podcast! Um, <laughs> yeah, Blade Magazine. We're so, I'm sorry. I don't know why I even mentioned your name. I'm sorry. I apologize. I take it all back. Everybody, listen yeah, yeah. to the Mark sorry. of the Maker. We're not cutting it this time. It's <laughs> like some bullshit. Who? Uh-
4: Let's not go down this route, okay? I was going to say, who exactly is his dad then? Um, let's not go down
2: this I'm not a, you down trying to goes. get me in more... Tr- you know, they don't like it when we talk politics. They don't like it when we talk about the panty. You think they like to talk about the, the religion? <laughs> Probably not. I love okay. I, You know what? I, there's nothing more more awful than the fact that I heard my, my fucking Peloton instructor referring to the pandemic <laughs> as the panty, and now I can't oh, not geez. call it the panty. <laughs> My fucking, that is, I'm so out of touch, it's crazy. My Peloton instructor called it the panty, and I'm like, That's, yeah. from now on, it's the fucking panty. That's it. Well, you know, you, you've you said the panty a few times in this episode, and each time you did, I'm thinking, what the fuck is he on about? And I'm thinking, I must be out, yeah, you're touch. out of I touch, I don't know what on about. I'm you're not out of touch, the <laughs> fucking <laughs> panty. That makes it, that, oh, totally, that totally makes it so much funnier. Yeah. And it was your Peloton yeah, instructor totally well. out <laughs> of touch <laughs> Kendall Tool, happy birthday It's her, it's her fucking birthday <sighs> On that note,
4: Jesus let's call it Christ. a day Christ <laughs> That's his Thank name Thank you all for listening
2: <laughs> This show is brought to you by The Makery The podcast network for makers